this is how we disable toxic masculinity. We need to kill all men. This pagan patriarchalism that is coming back out of the shadows. Feminists hate patriarchy. It's the woman that runs the show and the woman that runs the community and is the backbone of, of that area. I'm a nasty woman. A loud, vulgar, proud woman. Patriarchy. Are you saying you have authority over me? Go eat your superior. I personally can't see why egalitarianism would be a bad thing. The assumption that wives should make babies instead of money is part of the patriarchy. Don't say hi to strange women you don't know. Patriarchy. The patriarchy. 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 Therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour in which the Son of Man is coming. And that is Matthew chapter 25, verse 13. You are on the Fight, Laugh, Feast Network, and you are listening to The Patriarchy. My name is Tony Dapani, and I'm very hoarse right now. I apologize. And I am joined by my co-host, Pastor Joseph Randall Spurgeon. Woman, get back in here and make me a sandwich. Joseph... What kind of sandwich are you eating this first episode of the new year? Yeah, man, it's been a crazy, it's been a crazy day. Yeah, we're not like, dead, people. We're not dead. Yeah, we're, we're, just, we're just alive. So you know, yes. We're alive. We have not uh, fallen off the face of the earth. Even though you're, you're kind of feeling a little sick, we are alive. Yeah, I sound like so, I smoked a pack of cigarettes. I didn't. I that's okay. No, I'm kidding. I, uh, so back to my sandwich, man. So I guess telling you. It's a true story. Crazy. It's a true story. Yes, this is a true story. <laughs> for for once in my life. Uh-huh, sure. So I was gonna take the day off, and we we were going to go to this uh it's called Timmy the Yodeling Shetland Pony. That's a name. Wow. It was like this little circus thing. They were having like this circus. It was gonna be like petting zoo and and all that kind of stuff. So How's that getting to my sandwich? Well, we had to hurry up and getting ready. And so um, we we got up this morning. It was supposed to start around like 10 o'clock. And I got a big family, so it takes a while to get everybody ready. Yeah. If we, oh, to man. get to something at 10 with the whole family. We got to get up at like 6. I, I feel that. <laughs> so, but, uh, uh, so, anyways, got up. So my sandwich, here's what it is. It's sausage, egg, and cheese. Okay. On sausage. So it's like one sausage patty, eggs, cheese, and another sausage patty. It's like a, so it's a, it's a a carnivore diet. That's uh, got cheese. That's got cheese. You allowed to have cheese? Cheese is animal product, is it not? I guess. Yeah, I guess. I didn't know if you were going just straight meat. I'm not going that extreme with this thing. Like that, like I, I'm going to eat cheese. You're going to eat cheese. Uh, And and everything the cheese comes from. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. So you had a sausage sandwich. So so we so we we got those, which was this is the only part that worked out. We got in the van and we went to Timmy the Yodeling Shetland Pony. Okay. We got there. Unfortunately, Timmy had to cancel. 
Okay. He was a little horse. See, I knew it. You know, he was just like you, man, but you didn't cancel. I'm not a little horse. <laughs> I'm not a little Shetland pony. <laughs> oh, oh, see, I thought maybe because it was a new year and I have been sick that maybe you would take pity on me. But no. No, no I fans. wanted to cheer you no, up. All the fans are going, no, he'll never take pity on you. Why do you expect him to? Uh, I don't know because it's a that was me being pitiful, man. That was what you are being pitiful. I don't, I don't, I don't know why I expect you to uh, expect you to. I don't know. Give me that joke was full of pity for you. It was. It was. Yeah. It was a pity sandwich. Um, Because you have your horse. And see, I, I, I wanted I, you to feel like you were not the only one. I'm out. Yeah, but you, you just, I think you just called me a little horse. So I don't know. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think well, I take. I think you're a little horse. I take a little yeah. offense at that one. So, yeah. Well, okay. anyway. What did uh, you have, man? What did wh- you eat? I mean, maybe you have something better. Yeah. Uh, I had a horse sandwich. No. Um, <laughs> actually, uh, you know what? I, I have not actually had a sandwich in a little while. Um, we, we've been eating a lot of soup and stuff like that i actually have been eating a lot of uh eggs i'll, I'll say that I'm, I'm i'm a big fan of eggs i know that uh i don't know if it's is it is it a is it again a good thing to eat eggs or not have as the health community decided whether it's good or not again not that i care but it goes back and forth but i like a lot of eggs so i mean it just depends if you've got a small fortune to buy them or not now this is true oh man the memes online are absolutely hilarious like the one where the guy is proposing to the woman instead of a ring it's an egg in the box that was great yeah, but uh so yeah so we need a lot of eggs but my wife tonight actually before we recorded this episode she made um like a soup it's uh i'm trying to think of it it's it's like got a it had sausage in it too actually we're, we're both eating sausage so that's good it had big sausage chunks in it and then it had like um how what are they called this is why i'm sick i'm gonna forget all sorts of terms uh it's it's like a stuffed noodle thing uh man I don't know. I'm going to fail if I keep trying to find the name. I could see it in my head, and it tasted very good. It was, she's made this quite a few times, and it's, it's quite good. She actually brings it to our church and stuff, too. But it was a soup, and we did have a little bit of bread with it, so I guess it could sort of suffice as a sandwich. Mm-hmm. I mean, at least I had bread. You didn't have bread. You just had sausage. I don't well, know. Well, no, but I mean, I, my sandwiches from for a while are going to be that meat sandwiches. Yeah, yeah. Joseph's, I mean, that's what going on the carnivore diet. Um, I, I've actually considered yeah. that. There was a point where I was considering it. I think I'm actually going to keto diet soon just to kind of... I, I want to get healthier in terms of that, but I also just want to discipline myself. But one, one way or another, we'll both be on some kind of... Now, did I tell you what show. happened on the way home from the canceled pony show? No, but I'm I for, I forgot sure, to tell you. I'm sure I'm going to love the outcome. Go ahead. <laughs> Well, this was this was even more crazy than the pony show I'm being canceled. Sure, it it was fans. I do this for you. I I do this for so, you. So go ahead. We're coming home. We're mm-hmm. we're driving. We have to drive up this hill. Mm-hmm. It was a real hill. And, yeah, and we got what stuck was, what was behind. The what was the name of the hill? <laughs> I don't know. Oh, uh-huh, sure. It's, I mean, it's it's not a real. It's hill. on a, it was on Lexington Road, man, and it has a hill. Okay. All right. Okay. Go ahead. <laughs> and uh um. We're, but we got stuck behind a funeral. Um, what do they call that? Uh, procession. Procession. Thank mm-hmm. you. How, how do I remember got, that? But I can't remember the name of the thing I ate tonight. 
I don't know. Okay. Anyway, but we got behind, we got stuck behind a funeral procession, and we were right behind the hearse. Okay. All and right. it's going up the hill, and there's a there's like an accident or something ahead, and we all have to stop, and we're just on this steep incline, and it's been raining today. The hearse was trying to go. It was uh, peeling out a little bit because there was some slick. Yeah. slickness there yeah. and yeah. as it peeled out to kind of get up the rest of the hill the door opened up and the casket came out oh okay and it came coming down the hill i mean it came out like it was going to come right down mm-hmm. towards my car i was like this is nuts so i got out of the car i, I said quick uh, uh rowena hand me hand me some nyquil so she's like what i said it'll stop the coffin Give me a sec. I quit. Okay. You take a walk there. <clears throat> and it did. It stops the coffin, man. Yeah. Um. I'm sure of it. Yeah. Oh man, it just never so, gets better. It just, it just keeps. So the going. pony show was canceled because he was a little hoarse, but mm-hmm. we did stop you, the coffin. You know, I we said did this stop before. the coffin. If you have to keep saying it and explaining it, it just makes it worse. <laughs> just, All right. Just twisting the knife. It's, I, now yeah. I actually do have a real story I'm about to tell, which oh, no. does not have a pun. Nobody believes you. It actually <laughs> but, is real because I know where he's going with this. Um, yeah. I have because I, I have. Uh, Hey, talk about a segue. I have reasonable expectations of uh, how the show is going to go. Yes. Look at that. So, it's actually a segue that has to do with uh, the episode. Ah, ah, yeah. For once, it wasn't a bad segue. Okay, go actually, for it. So, this is actually a real story, folks. It real story, yes. So, you know, there are some people, Tony, you meet in your life and you never forget them. Yep, like me. Mm-hmm. Yes, just like you. Just like me. And, and uh, this guy, his name was Drill Sergeant Harden. It was in my drill sergeant's in basic training. Uh, large man, not like fat, large, like, you know, muscular, Mm -hmm. um, square jaw, thick mustache. If you're a child of the eighties, he looked exactly like Sergeant Slaughter. (laughs) They talk like him. Hi folks. This is future Tony editing the episode. This is the part of the episode where Joseph's children start doing something upstairs. It sounds like construction. I have no idea what it was, but there's no way to remove it from the audio recording. I apologize. It lasts off and on for a few minutes. If you have complaints, please send them to contact at thepatriarchypodcast.com and I'll forward them on to Joseph. Without further ado, back to the episode. It kind of did. You maggots. Yeah. Nice. Nice. And all throughout basic training, he had like these different things that he would say. Like uh, in the morning, we would have to wait in line for breakfast to get into the chow hall. And he would kind of march back and forth in front of us. And he would tell us how much he hated us. And so he would be like, privates, do you know how much I hate you all? And he trained us like we had to respond all together, loud voice. How much, drill sergeant? And then he would say something like one time he said that he he hated us so much he had to hold a gun to his head to keep from cutting his throat while he was shaving. Nice. Nice. Yeah. So. Sounds like a very gentle man. (laughs) (laughs) So, actually, so he was pretty stern, and you didn't want to cross him because I'm about to tell you the story that happened. Okay, but we actually, we actually knew he didn't hate us. Yeah, he, he was one of the few that actually didn't hate us. <laughs> he actually cared. So, but one morning, I was walking uh, out of the building 
um, from the restroom. So the restroom is one of those like connected to the outside of the building. You get to the, you know, like you go to a, a, I don't know, a sporting event or something. They have the, the, the restroom connects to the outside, straight to the outside. Yeah. Okay. The door is. Mm -hmm. So I was coming out of the restroom and I was probably out of it for five to 10 seconds. And I forgot to put my hat on. Uh, so in the military, they have a very strict rule that you do not wear hats in buildings and equally strict if you're in uniform that you put them on outside the building. So that's kind of the reason like I even get like eye twitches with people wear hats in church buildings. But anyways, so I come out of the building. He is suddenly on me like out of nowhere. I mean, it hadn't been like five seconds. So it wasn't like I was intentionally not doing it, but I was yawning at the time. And so he came out and he says, private, are you out of your mind? Have you lost your bearings? Wake up. And I'm like, okay. So I begin putting my hat on and, uh, but that time it was too late. So what I did was I spent the next two hours carrying two five gallon jugs of water, uh, one in each hand back and forth across the platoon bay. <laughs> and he had me doing lunges across the floor oh. with him in my hands. Sometimes he'd have me walk with them over my head. Mm -hmm. And the whole time he's shouting, are you awake? <laughs> or are you still tired? <laughs> no drill sergeant. I'm not tired. Are you sure you're not tired? No drill sergeant. I'm not tired. <laughs> are you sure you don't want to quit private and go home and go to bed? Right. I can get the paperwork drawn up right now. You can sign on the line and we will begin processing you out of processing you out of the army. And, and then he said, of course, it would take about eight to nine months to finish processing it. And so you'll have to stay here and go through all the training with the other classes over and over again. But we can make it happen. Just let me know. Nice. Let me know you're tired and I'll start the process right now. And so I'm like, no, drill sergeant, I'm not tired. I'm awake. And then he would repeat a phrase that we had to, we, he repeated like nonstop through basic training. Like this was drilled in us every second of the moment. Like uh, he just, he, in fact, as soon as he said the first part, we were to say the second. So the whole phrase was stay alert, stay alive. And so he would like shout the first part, stay alert. And then we would shout the second part. Stay alive. Yeah, that's right. And then sometimes he would reverse it, stay alive. And then we would say, Stay alert. That's right. So stay alert, stay alive. And obviously, you know, the reasons they do that, Tony, is because probably nothing more dangerous than being in the battle and falling asleep. Yeah, <laughs> I'd say so. Uh, uh, becoming complacent, forgetting you're in a dangerous situation. Yeah. Uh, in, in fact, in uh, 2005, June 2005, uh, there was an incident at Ford Operating Base in Salerno in the coast of Providence. And uh, there was a suicide bomber who was able to actually get past the guards and get on the base and blow himself up and kill two soldiers and injured 30 others. And when they investigated, they found that the guards were basically zoned out. Mm -hmm. They had, yeah. they didn't check. They didn't check his identification. They didn't even search the, his vehicle. Um, they were not staying alert, staying alive. So you could, you, that's why for the silly hat thing, he spent like 
an hour just what well, we called it smoking you so getting smoked for not wearing a hat right. stay alive stay alert stay alive now what's that kind of got to do with uh with our episode here well we uh you you read from matthew chapter 25 and there was this parable that jesus told there with uh um 10 virgins and what jesus says like the kingdoms of like like this and then there were 10 virgins bridesmaids that went out to uh, uh wait on the groom to come and uh Five of them were wise and five of them were foolish. And it's kind of interesting, you know, when you go to a wedding now, like who, uh, who do we kind of wait for to show up and get everybody's attentions on the bride, the bride, right? Yeah. The groom usually walks out with a pastor and everybody's looking down the aisle yep. and everybody's looking for the bride. It actually wasn't like that in their day. Instead, the, the groom, you know, the whole wedding actually started with the the betrothal where the groom would go to the father figure out the dowry make the payments where payments were being made contract was signed up they're technically married but then he would go off and build his house build the house for where him and his wife were going to live and she would stay at home with the father well when he's had that completed there'd be a day set for the wedding but uh Part of the tradition was the the groom didn't announce the exact time when he mm-hmm. was coming, and so the wedding party would actually go out, and the whole the whole spectacle was watching the groom come. Everybody's looking for the groom to come, and uh, then join him at nighttime, carrying torches and stuff, and going to get his bride. And so you have these bridesmaids that go out to wait on this groom, and. He doesn't come in the normally expected. You So even though they didn't know the time exactly, it was usually, you know, like early evening. Now it's getting late, midnight. They're falling asleep and uh, they fall asleep. And then they wake up and five of them don't have enough of the oil to make it. And so they're trying to scrounge around, buy some from the other five. And uh, uh, the other five, like, we ain't got enough for you. You're going to go buy it. Like, where are they going to get it this time of night? 7-Eleven. <laughs> and 7-Eleven, yes. Walmart. <laughs> Cheap oil. <laughs> yeah. And so they go off to find it. While they're off, the groom comes. The, the wise bridesmaids have their lights lit. They're joining the procession and the party, going to the feast, following the, the groom to the bride. It's going to be this week-long feast. And then finally you have the foolish bridesmaids, like, I guess they think, well, we'll just go straight to the house and like, hey, let us in. And they're like, you're not on the guest list, man. You're not, you're, <laughs> you're, you're not here. You're not allowed in. And, uh, and, and, and uh, the door was shut against them. And so Jesus actually says in telling the story, the purpose of the parable was be alert. Mm-hmm. Basically, stay alert, stay alive. Right. Uh, you have a duty to be alert because you don't know the day or hour. It's really in the context of his second coming. Right. But uh, you could even say it's in a, even similarly, he could come in judgment on our nation, just like he did with Jerusalem, or, mm-hmm. you know, we're all going to die. I think World Health Institution says 155,000 people die a day. 
So, wow. you know, that's young, old, fat, skinny, little horse, coffin people, you know, <laughs> nice. pun tellers, pun tellers and all a lot of those die. die. They, those die early if they keep telling puns. <laughs> Yes. You know, hypothetically. They become murder victims. Yeah. Yes. yes. <laughs> but we're all we're all going to be called to account before the Lord. We're all going to have to see the groom. And are, are we going to be ready? And uh, so we have to stay alert and be prepared. Alertness has the idea of watching, watching over. And, and so um, I think with that in mind, Tony, one of the things that we got to think about that is, we got a duty to watch over our own souls. Um, right. Cause we, the, as the brides and the bridegrooms, I mean, sorry, the bridesmaids found out they actually couldn't go to the other and get their oil from them. Mm-hmm. So everybody has a duty to watch their own soul, uh, to watch out against the attacks of the devil, the, 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 the allure of the world and the lust of the flesh. And, um, Everybody's got that duty, but then God has also given, and so we're speaking to the patriarchy, men responsibilities over others, right? That's part of what it means to men, be a man, take responsibility for the souls of others, looking out for others. And uh, that means if you're a husband looking out for the soul of your wife, your father looking out for the souls of your children, their lives. And even if you're none of those, still as a man, a Christian man, you you got care for your neighbors, uh, other brothers and sisters in the church, and those who are all around you. And so, I mean, that's really as we get back into the swing of the patriarchy podcast, what we're all about is that men take responsibility for these things: the their own souls. They they look out for their soul, the, the souls, and their the lives and the the um even the property of other people. Mm-hmm. So their, yeah. their, their, their homes, their children, their wives. Um, I, I wanted us to set that as, you know, that's where we're going probably today and throughout our podcast, just constantly calling men back to that work, calling fathers back to the, 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 the work of, of, of their home, you know, calling, calling the sons to the fathers the fathers to the sons. And so now what you actually wanted to talk about in regards to this was uh, expectations. Yeah. So why don't, why don't you, why don't you take off from there? So being watchful, being alert, staying alert, taking care to watch over the souls of others. What does expectations have to do with that? So I was thinking along the lines of, we have the mission, we have the expectation of the end of the mission, uh, where that's going. But along the way, like you were saying, we have responsibilities along the way. We have people that are going to be with us, that we're going to care for, or even people that we're going to be under their authority along the way as well. Um, and I think having reasonable or right, both really, expectations for those other people in our lives is going to help us along that whole journey. Um, so what you broke it out the way that we'd broken out here, which is breaking it out between yourself, um, your spouse, your children and other people, whether those other people be believers or not. So you could kind of, I guess you could kind of divide that into two categories there. But I wanted to kind of take those in those sections and kind of just go over 
kind of what is what is the role that the Bible says um, for these particular people, you know, our spouse, our children, other people, even ourselves, and then kind of build it out from there so that we have we have we know what the expectations are, you know, per scripture, and that we can kind of build that out to figure out in our lives what do we expect of you know our wives? Which well, I guess I should say what what we ought to think about during this is what do we currently expect of those other people. And then as we go through this episode and think about these things, how might that change as you see what the Bible says? And even as you try to kind of look inwardly at yourself and what you expect of yourself and you know of yourself. Um, Because I think one thing that I've seen more recently um, in personal things that I've been dealing with, uh, counseling things and whatnot with other people, is there, there seems to be not even just in uh, Christian circles, but in every... I mean, well, if you watch the news, this is very evident. <laughs> very unreasonable expectations of other people and, and outright wrong ones at time. But I think sometimes if we... we Maybe we have a, a decent expectation of somebody, but maybe it's too high at the moment because we're not taking into consideration where that particular person is at the time. And I think having some grace in that so that your expectation is correct and there is actually a standard for it but you can have that grace to have i don't want to say wiggle room help me with what i'm trying to say here joseph um no no what you're what you're getting at so as we've just talked about the duty as a man to kind of watch over all these souls to to have responsibility for others obviously that comes with authority yeah and i think the temptation is then okay well then we what do i do so sometimes we go from like I have no expectations of having any authority, any responsibility of these people to now, okay, I found out I was supposed to have responsibility. And then I build up all kinds of expectations. Well, sorry, that's our Barney, our Barney Fife episode, right? Yes. Yeah, so, yeah, you yeah, go the so, complete you know, polar opposite. Yeah. Yeah. So you go and you, you, you're overzealous, you're harsh. And I think what we're trying to do is, recognizing that our work is is to help uh is to lead the people under us and ourselves to follow and submit to god's expectations and um now our own personal like there's things with our wives and stuff that we can expect that are personal and and we'll get into some of that 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 what i mean personal they're they're like specific Specific to our relationships Mm -hmm. and but uh, we need to think what God desires first and foremost. And with that, then you'll actually know what it means to watch over, what to look out for. And and I guess another verse that comes to mind with something you just said was the psalm that says that he knows that we are but dust, that, mm-hmm. that he knows our frame. Yes. Yes. And that's, yeah, that's perfect. Mm-hmm part of like the being alert watching was like, well, you got to know, you got to wake up. You got to have your eyes awake to who you are, your temptations, the things you're struggling with and the other people, right? Uh, um, I can't remember who said it. There's somebody that said like all eyes see, but uh, sorry, not all eyes look, but not all eyes can see. Hmm. And the idea is like many of us have spent a lifetime not not seen. We just look at stuff and not see it. We close our eyes to the to the sins of our families, our children, 
Yeah. And I mean, uh, we'll also get yeah. how many times, you know, if we're honest with ourselves, sometimes if we've come home after some long day of something and, you know, you might hear the kids being disobedient. And I've been guilty of this before. I'll admit this. Um, I think I've done quite better since, but I do remember a couple times where it's like I came home years back, just was tired and heard one of the kids just screaming and knew my wife probably was overburdened and I kind of was like I just want to take a shower and then I went to go in the bathroom to take the shower and was very convicted that it was like I need to go out there and help her because she's probably overburdened and it's my responsibility to make sure that kid is obeying and honoring his mom but my point in telling that story is to not be like hey look how epically I failed but I did um is to just say that you shouldn't just stick your head down in the sand like ostriches don't actually do this but you know what people think of ostriches you stick your head in the sand and you just ignore what's going on. But the, the also, the, I think the danger in that is if you... And that's why we're talking about having reasonable expectations. And that's kind of my heart in this, is that you can know the exact things that you should expect of another person. But then if you're not paying attention to everything else that's going around, you can get really harsh with it. You know, you can walk into the situation knowing... Having ignored everything that's going on in your house for a week or a month or whatever... And then all of a sudden start barking out orders and why is this so bad? Why are the kids being disobedient? It's like, well, partially because you've ignored leading your family. Are you taking them to church? Are you leading worship? Are you disciplining your kids? Are you reading scripture with your kids? I mean, all of that. So I think having the reasonable expectation part, what I'm talking about here is that just to make sure, like you were saying, to know what's going on, to know the frame of the other person. Not that you're going to... Um, sugarcoat the expect or not sugarcoat but uh soften the expectation there there is the goal right but there's There's also standards you're not lowering the standards yeah exactly that's what i'm looking for you are i'm sick people okay i can't find my own words he's helping me (laughs) you're helping the people get to the standards yes that's what a leader does the leader has to lead people to the standards they have to take the person from where they are and get them from point a to point Z and for their right. own good. And for their I know own that good they too. often yeah. point A to point Z is not a straight line. There's B, C, D, E, F, G. There's the whole alphabet between there. And if you have and a decent amount of kids like we do, you you know that line looks like some kind of a giant zigzag. <laughs> yeah. Backtracking, going forward, running too fast, coming back. <laughs> yeah. A lot of times it sounds like the 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 the, um, the test they give you when you're taking. They think you've been drunk driving. You're doing the alphabet backwards. Oh, goodness. <laughs> it's like... Nice. <laughs> so, yeah. Yes. Yeah. All right. Uh, but, so... Uh, well, go ahead. Yeah, go, go ahead. ahead. Well, I was going to say, <laughs> moving moving on to... I think we have these four categories of, of people. It doesn't mean that there aren't some deviations from some of this or whatnot. And as Joseph said, we may give specifics. I, I, we want to lay this out ahead of time. We may give specifics maybe in our own lives. Um, and it's not that we think those are bad or unreasonable or anything, but... Our wives are not your wives. We are not your husbands. If ladies are listening, you know, our kids are not your kids. But there are standards we can all have that are right and biblical and aspire to. But there may be some differences uh, depending on how your life is or where people are in their walks, that kind of thing. So just keep that in mind. Have some grace with other people um, while at the same time keeping your eye on the mission. So, yeah. So, what we want, we want you to do is to lead. Yep. We want the patriarchy, yeah, fight, but we, we, we want you to have the freedom to do that as we talk about these things. So don't get hung up on some of the specific stuff. We want you to have the freedom to do that. 
and make the, those decisions. So where are we starting? Do we want to start with, I know you said our wives, but it almost seems wise to start with ourselves. What do you think? We could do that. I was worried that we might go too long um, because I know you like to talk about yourself. No, I'm kidding. Um, I, I, I don't, as long as we don't go too long, I don't want to, I don't want to make that one overbloated or anything too, but sure, we could do that. We can, we could fast forward to that part. Well, it just seems fitting to me here. I know we planned it the other way. And so this is how the, the, the sausage is made folks. Yeah. I, I tend to be harder on myself than anybody. So that's why I wanted to leave that one to last. <laughs> so, uh, okay. Well, I just think it's, if you're going to lead, you got to get yourself you got to start with yeah, yourself. Yeah, I, I know where you're going with it. That's cool. So, um, I guess where do we start? <laughs> well, right? we ha- so- we, there are some verses that we have lined out here that we can kind of build out from. Um, you know, I think we need to start as what what is the role of ourself, and we were kind of already talking about that in a way. So, I mean, if we talk about our role as a husband... Um, so we can talk about, so I think you have it here in front of you too. We have Ephesians 5, 22, 25, which starts out with wives submit to your own husbands, but it says as of the Lord for the husband is the head of the wife as also Christ is the head of the church and he's the savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let wives be to their own husbands and everything. And then ending here again with husbands, husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. Now this verse I wanted to start with because this verse has been twisted in all sorts of different ways um over the course of feminism and and egalitarianism and things like that so i want to focus on the husband part but we'll probably touch on the wife part and probably circle back to that once we get there too um but so let's talk about says for the husband is the head of the wife as also christ is the head of the church so let's let's start with that so what does that mean to be the head of something well, obviously, uh, it only means to be the source. <laughs> nice. No. And we're now egalitarians. <laughs> that's what we, we changed the name. Yeah. <laughs> to, uh, uh, yeah. But anyways, um, well, the head, the head of the body, it's the, 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 Jesus is the head of the church. So that tells you the, the answer to your question right there. Right. He obviously is the source of the church, but it's far more than that. Because it says the savior is the he's a savior of the body, mm-hmm. so we're not talking we're talking about a head and the body, and the head is not the source of our body so much. It's we don't the, we don't start as a head and just just grow out of it like a weird. It's just a weird. Yeah. Coach. So it, it, there's that story about the the baby born in India. <laughs> I have no idea where you're going with this. You're smiling, so I don't. <laughs> I'm not going to say it. That's just telling okay. you the baby was born in India and it it had no body. It was only a head. But okay. Anyways, we should have quit while we were ahead. Oh no! But, um, I knew it was coming. I knew it was something. Anyways, uh, uh, <laughs> patriarchy. Excuse this quick program interruption, but are you a Christian with a business, service, or product to offer? We'd love to partner with you and help get your business, service, or product advertised out to our thousands of listeners. This could be simply us reading an ad pre-written by you on the show. It could be us airing a commercial already made by you on our show. Or it could be us writing one for you, perhaps featuring one of our many characters, such as, uh, you know, Henry with an I. Or perhaps, confused Batman, still don't know where I am. Or maybe Leonard from the matriarchy. Or if you insist, Polly the Transparent. If you'd like to partner with the Patriarchy Podcast, we'd love to hear from you. 
Shoot us an email at contact at thepatriarchypodcast.com with some information about your business, service, or product, and how you'd like to advertise or work with us. Our intent is to use the audience God has given us to help other Christian businesses flourish. So shoot us an email at contact at thepatriarchypodcast.com. We'd love to hear from you. Now, back to the program. Excuse me, it's ma'am. You got me on track. (laughs) Well, we digress. We digress. We digress. The head is the the part that controls the rest of the body right it oversees and 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 leads and guides the body right but you, it doesn't it doesn't care about the arms or the legs it, it mistreats them it doesn't keep them in good health it doesn't look out for their good right that's 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 all the head does it just care about itself well the head doesn't spend all of its time just focused on itself mm-hmm. it's focused on the whole body what's yep. good for the whole body I and mean, that's why Christ laid his life down. Christ loved the church, gave himself for her. So there is love. Now, really what this means though, is if your wife submits to you, that's when you're supposed to love her. (laughs) Right? Uh, Yeah, no. Because every time I put it online about wives submitting to husbands, I I always am told if only the husband would love her, she would submit. Yeah. Yeah, so but obviously it must be the opposite no, way too, right? No, that's not how it works, Joseph. It's a one-way street. Oh. No. Yeah, and that is, well, that's an important point to make for husbands too is because that's a temptation too, right? Maybe your wife is, I don't know, I mean, all sorts of things. I don't have to give it examples of anything, but maybe she's not being a good wife. Maybe she's having a bad day. Maybe she said something, I don't know, disrespectful to you, whatever. I mean, insert whatever there. Um, that doesn't mean you just get the stop being a loving and good husband to her. I mean, it doesn't mean you're a, you just have to let it go. Although sometimes to be fair, knowing your wife's frame, um, you know, maybe during pregnancy or something, there's just a day where she's exasperated on something. You don't always have to bring it up, but sometimes you do. And again, that's partially where we're talking about. There is freedom here in how you lead. But the point being is you don't get to just stop loving her. You don't get to just I don't care. I'm not going to do anything, you know, with her now. I'm not going to talk to her. You, you don't. You don't get that. You, you it don't get to check out, man. Yeah. You, you don't stay alert. Stay alive. Yeah. And so, actually, so you you might talk <laughs> Wait, about what are you talking about? <laughs> you said stay alive, stay alive in the context of a wife. <laughs> not, yeah, well, not acting well. <laughs> no, I, I was just thinking the whole concept. You don't get to check out, man. You have yeah, to stay alert. I know. I know. But uh, so we're talking. So we're talking not about the expectations for the wife here so much for ourselves. Yep. And, and yep. I'd say the first one in that is that we are the head mm-hmm. of the home. And what does that mean? Yeah. We mm-hmm. are the head over our wife. So we we ought to expect that God has given us responsibility and authority. All right. He's going to call us to account for that. That's something we ought to expect. Uh, we ought to expect that uh, we're to love our wives. So headship is... Uh, uh, authority and authority is for service. So uh, um, it's not servant leadership in a sense of like you're 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 the one doing all the the chores and doing all your women the the your wife's uh, uh, responsibilities all the time. But your authority has a purpose, which is to serve the whole body, the whole family. And obviously, that doesn't discount you from serving and doing chores. Yeah. 
but you're you have authority to lead and your authority to lead is for the purpose of serving for the purpose of loving giving yourself so there's a giving of yourself away to your wife so well and there's that question you were talking about the question of maybe doing something she needs to do or not again this goes back into the freedom you have as a husband and how you lead but at the same time when you lead and he was as joseph was saying about we hate the term servant leadership because that's been so twisted but you serve for the good of the person and in this regard when you're talking about maybe something your wife is her normal responsibility uh, should you do it or not should you help with it or not um if you're serving her in trying to do what's best for her maybe you do help her out that day or maybe you don't maybe it's something she needs to get more used to doing um and she's not so she needs more experience doing it so you have to let her do that herself or maybe it's not maybe there's she's sick maybe there's something going on that she's just not able to do it and it would be better for you to help her in that regard but it's not just because well you're just supposed to do everything everybody else wants you to do i I think that's the point we're trying to make for the servant leadership well i I think actually if you do what you're supposed to do Mm -hmm. in leading and doing so with love and saying the vision for the family protecting caring for your wife and and making her feel loved and Mm -hmm. and letting and loving her that some of those things like doing dishes and chores are just that's not a it's not a fighting point. It's not yep. a, a thing, right? You just, yeah. she'll happily do her responsibilities and you happily do yours. Mm-hmm. And there won't be a problem with you. Like thinking if like I do the dishes once that that's like, uh Oh, I've turned the whole order upside down. <laughs> right. right? Um, you, if you got it established, right. But well, we're kind of getting off into like, I think women's, uh, uh what we might expect for wives. Let's get back sure. to yep. what we expect of ourselves. Maybe we ought, to, we ought to go back down. Uh, so we talked about like we're the head, we have love. But how about, um, what about like, uh, let's start with even watching over our own souls a little bit. And and I think a good passage for that is, uh, I mean, there's whole kinds of them, but I think. Uh, we're cheating, uh, folks. Romans, we, have a, we, have a, we have an outline. <laughs> Romans 13, 11 through yeah. 14. Don't tell them that. Okay, shh. That was make future me. Smart as I... Cut it out. Not really. You don't have to. All right, Romans 13, so 11 through 14. And do this, knowing the time, that now it is high time to wake up out of sleep. For now our salvation is nearer than we first believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Therefore let us cast off the works of darkness, and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the day not in revelry and drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust, not in strife and envy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lusts. I think with a passage like that, or you got Galatians 5, um, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. It goes on to talk about works of the flesh and then the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I mean, an expectation to set for yourself is that you're going to be obedient to Christ. Right? You, you're, you are expected by God to put off the flesh and to start walking according and in design with Christ. And that really is even before, prior to what we said about you being the head, yep. about you being the 
it is you have the responsibility to be right with Christ. Like if you're not right with Christ, then forget everything else we're saying, right? Because you got the holy God of the universe angry at you. Mm -hmm. And everything you try is just going to fall to pieces because God's not on your side. Well, that's, how so we, you, that's why we end the episode with how we do it. If you're not yet bowed the knee to Christ, repent and believe. And if you have, and then we move on to everything else. Yeah. Yeah. So like you got to, you got to get that right. You got to know the Lord Jesus. You got to wake up, right? The time is near. Now I believe I'm post millennial, so it could be a long time before Christ returns. But I also believe in the imminency of Christ's return that like there's an expectation we ought to have because of that. Like judgment is at hand. God is near. He sees us. He's not far away. He knows us. And um, he's very patient with us. But if we are unrepentant and uh, for one, if we're unrepentant, we're not even his, then all we have is the fiery expectation of judgment. But if we're unrepentant and we are his, like we are backslidden, we are rebelling against him, there's discipline and it ain't pretty. It's painful. <laughs> like yeah. in church, we've been reading through Deuteronomy and we've gotten to the passage on the curses. And we usually read each week about like 10 to 15 verses uh, from a chapter of the Bible. And we just keep going sequentially. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, that meant we we spent like five weeks work reading through these curses. <laughs> and it's just like intense. <laughs> and you find out it's God's discipline. And then, you know, and then the chapter after that talks about, well, you'll return to, to him and he will circumcise your hearts and mm -hmm. he'll take care of you and protect you. So uh, I think before we move on, and we're about ready to move on probably to the other categories. Well, uh, could, could we do one more verse here, I think, because I think it'd yeah. cap it all off. Because there is yeah, something okay. to be said about when you're talking about, you know, reading through the curses and even just God's God's discipline on a believer. Um, you know, it's not fun at times, but it is because he loves us. But it, no matter what, whether it's God's discipline or just things he's allowing you to go through, and as you work through the expectations of yourself as you're trying to become a better man, I mean, it's the whole point of our show is to hopefully make us all better men as we work through this together. But in 2 Corinthians 4.16, therefore, we do not lose heart. Even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. So the expectation you should have is that God will be faithful to his promises to you and that God will complete in you the work that he's promised to do, that he will continue to sanctify you um, so that you should expect that those things would happen and that you shouldn't lose heart. Um, that's an expectation. I, actually, as I was putting that in here for the verse, I was thinking of the expectation that we are sinful, fallible men, and even in this being in Scripture, the expectation is that we might start to lose heart, so that we need yeah. the reminder to not lose heart. So and there our are things, outward yeah. self is fate. We're dying. Yeah, and and so that yep. we would expect that those times would happen in your life that you may enter a season of your life where you just start feeling, man, I just don't know how I'm doing. I feel like I'm failing. I'm trying to do these things to stay faithful. And don't lose heart. And again, as Joseph said, you know, and scripture here, outward man is perishing, but the inward man is being renewed day by day. And sometimes that's hard and you'll be tempted to lose heart, but you shouldn't. So maybe that's even a chief thing right in there. Because if you start to lose heart and you don't believe in the promises of God, then like we were saying before, don't worry about the rest of it. Work on that. Yeah. I mean, that's like going back to those bridesmaids. You yep. lose heart. You don't have the fuel. You yep. don't. It's a long battle. And so 
it's not in yourself that you got to have that fuel. It doesn't come from you. There's a seller that's Christ. You've got to look to him constantly, remembering that he's faithful and just. Like we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. So mm-hmm. uh, I, um, I'm with you 100% on that. Like our expectation for ourselves is we are clinging to Christ, growing in holiness. And then I think from there, being faithful in the stations that God has given us, which includes the headship of a husband over his wife, and uh, and then all that means. Can I? So let me add one more in here, and then I think we'll move on. Oh to man, our next we're section. just adding stuff left and right. I, dude. you know, I'm taking a key out of your book. Where I, one okay. more thing, one more thing. <laughs> okay. Uh, but I was thinking too, because there's gonna, you know, we we are focusing chiefly on probably spiritual things here, which I I think we should, but lest we forget about the body and stuff too, because we are both body and soul. First um, Timothy 4.8, something we've used before, it starts with, for bodily exercise profits a little. Now, it doesn't mean that it's saying the Bible is saying that bodily exercise isn't important, but it is saying what we're saying here, that because it right following it says, but godliness is profitable for all things, um, having promise of the life that is that now is and of that which is to come. And I think out of this, you need to view yourself as a whole human being. I think sometimes it's it's tempting as men on one side to just view everything from a fleshly standpoint. You know, it's it's all about lifting. It's all about the diet. It's all about sex. It's all about whatever. Um, but then also from a Christian standpoint, sometimes it's tempting to go the other route where you get almost Gnostic about it, right? Where you, yeah, yeah. you go the other route where it's like, well, you know what? I don't need to take care of my body because it's all... You know, I'm going to get a new body eventually and stuff. But you know what? God God gave you this body for a reason. And part of the reason he gave you this body is to protect and provide for your wife and your children and other people around you. So taking care of yourself, uh, this is something Joseph and I have talked about behind the scenes on both of us. Um, taking care of yourself, you know, eating rightly, uh, you know, working out. And these things don't have to look the same for everybody. That's something that I think is tempting at times where you hear somebody is maybe on a specific diet. And you're like, well, I have to do that diet. Well, maybe you should, and maybe it's a good idea. I mean, I think you should look into that particular thing. I mean, the, you know, the carnivore diet. I know guys that are on that. Joseph's on that. I know a couple other guys that are on it. So I think it's good to look at that and say, hey, maybe we should look at that and go on it. But at the same time, you know, look at just take general good care of yourself. This is the kind of part of this that I'm trying to stress. It's just take general good care of your whole self including your body, including your health, including your mind, uh, but also including your spirit, including your soul, um, because that will, everything will impact each other. Your, your body's health will impact your spiritual health at times and the opposite way, and those things will def. I mean, if you don't believe that it will affect your wife and family, you're an idiot. Um, you, you really need to make sure you take good care of yourself all around because they rely on you for those things. So anyway, I wanted to touch on that briefly so we can move on. We don't have to harp on that, but I think that was a point needed to be made. Okay. Okay. Um, so um, next, where, where are we going now? Next, next person roll. What do we want to roll with? We want to roll. <laughs> well, obviously I think it goes straight to from there. Um, thinking about, okay, so. I'm considering my own life and my, my soul, my physical, um, my body, mm-hmm. the things that God's called me to be good stewards of. Well, obviously, from there, then we, we already talked about your role as a husband. So, yeah, your wife, what can you what should you what is what's to be expected of your wife? Um, what does God expect from your wife? And 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 what does that look like for you? We've got a ton of verses. So why don't you just kind of like bam, bam, bam. 
yeah, I can, we don't have to go through them all, but I, I, we put a lot in here just so we had a, a good amount. But um, so let's see here. All right, let me bring it up. All right, so Matthew 19.5, it says, For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. I think it's important to understand the 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 high importance of that. I mean, who your wife is to you. There, there is no other person in your life that is like her. She's a different uh, person in your life. She's a different role of a person in your life. Um, you know, you're leaving the father and mother that raised you, hopefully raised you in the Lord, um, to be joined to another person, and she's doing the same. Um, for what purpose? For to what end? Um, you should have a mission together. We've talked about this before. You know, you, uh, Joseph, you have said before you have a, um, I don't know, do you call it a mission statement? What do you call it for your family? I do. I do have a mission statement for my family, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm wanting to revisit it um, this next week or so. But yes, yeah, so we kind of have like a, hang on. Um, I think I can read it to you real quick. Yeah. Um, I think it's important to, to think about that. Like what? Hey, lean into your mic. Oh, sorry. Yep. There you go. Um, yeah, so we kind of have a mission statement, which is we will glorify God in the various relationships in our home as we walk, work, and worship with each other and submit to his word and point others to Christ. Good, and Good mission statement. Yeah, and we actually have it in there, some of the things that we expect <laughs> so hey, look at like that. <laughs> we, we we have that like our home all in the home are expected to exhibit the fruit of the spirit love god with all our heart mind and strength and love their neighbor as themselves submit to lawful authority obey the ten commandments and all of the other admonitions and exhortations in scripture and so i mentioned that because you really as a man as a husband you you have a mission in life and your wife is i mean we talk about uh, in Genesis, right? What what did God give Eve to Adam for? To be a helper, to be a helpmate, however you want to phrase that. But it is for to what end? To help him with what? To to you know, it, there's all sorts of ideas out there, of course, from feminism and from the the world and whatnot. But from a Christian perspective, you know, your your end goal is the great commission your end goal is to honor god you know glorify god and enjoy him forever and you're doing you're building disciples literally building disciples you're literally having children or raising them in the fear and admonition of the lord um there there is a a great mission to be had and your wife is a very important part of that and you need to view her as that and i say that because they're unfortunately um I, i've dealt with some people recently um personally counseling wise and whatnot that had a very 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 low and poor view um, of wives and of women in general and it, it was incredibly destructive to a particular marriage um, and just to everybody around it. it it's amazing what the low view of one's wife can do to not only their marriage but themselves and to everybody else around them it's it's a it's a terrible thing. So I, I mentioned that that's something that right now is real f kind of fresh in my memory. Um, but to, just to understand that this is this is somebody that is entirely unlike anybody else in your life. And you need to understand. I My children know this because um, I will sometimes say, you know, why did you disrespect my wife rather than why did you disrespect your mother? 
I want to drive home the point. This is, this person is, is different for me. Um, you know, who do I love the most in this world? I'm, I'm human being wise, my wife, I, my wife, there's nobody I love more than I love my wife. And so I, I Having that, I think, is the baseline here. It's why I picked that particular verse, I think. Yeah, yeah. well, you know, she's your helper. And, uh, I mean, she's your... Uh, she has authority in the home, too. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, she carries, my wife carries my authority when I'm not there. I tell my kids all the time, if you disobey yeah. mom, you've disobeyed me. Yep. And you've disobeyed her. Mm-hmm. I, I actually think it's important to, to, to say both of those things. Mm-hmm. Um, your, your wife's not a glorified babysitter. She's not one of the older kids. <laughs> yeah. Motherhood is a office of authority in the home. Yep. It's, you know, obviously not over the father, but the reason I say it's an office of authority, I mean, listen to what Solomon says in the Proverbs, where he basically says, son, you got to listen to your mother. Yep. Right. Don't let her words be far from you. He says the same amount, like, you know, so... Just talk about... She, there's another one that talks about the... Uh, what's... I'm going to forget it. Something about the law of your mother. Um, yeah. Yeah. I Don't forget it. the law of your mother. Yeah. Let it, you know, like, uh, be a... Uh, I'm, I'm kind of paraphrasing here, but basically like a chain around your neck. Mm-hmm. Like a... a um, well, and law and carries with it the, the implication of authority. Of authority. Right? right, yeah. Yes, yeah. And so uh, you've got a... It's one of the expectations you need to have of your wife is that she is going to be an authority in your home, not over you, um, but over the the children especially. But I would say over she has a domain there. Mm-hmm. Like you read the Proverbs woman, like Proverbs fourteen one, the wise woman. Well, that's not the the uh, the Proverbs thirty one, but even the Proverbs fourteen one, the wise woman builds her house, but the foolish pulls it down with her hands. Yeah. Notice it calls her house and she builds it. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, Proverbs 31, you know, describes all kinds of things about uh, uh, her and the work that she does in the house. And so she's got her domain there. Right. And I think a wise husband, the wise head, the one who is on the alert, is going to work to maintain her authority in the home. Um, he's got to maintain his own so he doesn't become a little um, wuss and <laughs> and is led by her. He's not whipped. Uh, he is the, the head, but he, you got to make sure you maintain her authority with the children. And, yep. um, and that means respecting some of the things that she makes decisions about. I'm having, we've talked about this before, but that might be like, You've given her authority over, uh, you've, you've kind of, uh, what do you want to say? Not outsourced. What's the word delegated authority to her to, to decorate and care for some of the things in the home. You mm-hmm. need to let her do that. Give her the money to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, um, and, uh, she purchases the food for the home and yeah, to prepare yeah, yeah. it. And I mean, you give her the finances to do it and the authority to choose. Uh, choose good food and choose what yeah. she's going to prepare. I, yeah, there's, I mean, we'll, we'll go back to Proverbs 31 there. I mean, she clearly, her husband trusted her. He trusted her with finances. She was buying things when he wasn't around. And it says that he had full trust in her. I mean, he he didn't have any reason to distrust her. He had full trust in her so much that he 
entrusted to her finances and I would argue probably one of the things he valued most, which would be his children. So I, I guess thinking of his expectations then for your wife is that you're going to uphold her authority with the children. Like you're, you're going to, you're going to make the best use of your helper. Mm-hmm. I, I, I go back to my military thinking, right? When the captain gives the command to the unit to do something, he usually gives it sometimes through the sergeants, like, so the officers will give through the sergeants who then the sergeants are your non-commissioned officers. And they're the ones that are there in the trenches with the guys. And, um, he leaves it to them to carry out the work and they've got authority. And it would be a very foolish, very foolish officer who would seek to undermine his sergeant's authority mm-hmm. uh, and not uphold it. Right. Cause then you're going to have the, the, the troops rebelling against the sergeant and then the whole units out of whack and you're not able to accomplish anything. So well, that's a point um, we made once before, which is, I mean, I guess it goes both ways with spouses, but we can talk about it here in terms of the wife. Um, is that even if you disagreed with something with your wife, like with we have a rule in our home, we don't disagree in front of the kids. If, yeah. if there's something she did or said maybe that I feel that's not correct or that I want something different or whatnot, I don't do that in front of the kids. Because like you were just saying, I'm not going to undermine her in front of the kids. That's not my intent. You know, we'll go to another room, close the door, and we'll sit and talk where they can't hear us talk because I don't want them to ever hear us undermining each other i certainly don't want to undermine her um in that regard but that was one thing that i was thinking as we were talking about that and you're talking about the sergeants there now here's something if the sergeant gets a big head and starts going against the commanding officer you know the commanding officer is going to maintain order mm-hmm. and so i think another expectation uh, for four wives and that you, you need to have in your home is that you're going to obey God's word, which is going to keep the order. And so you know, wives submit to your husbands as to the Lord. And this is a delicate balance because you don't want to be the guy constantly going around, respect my authority. <laughs> and, and yeah. constantly, if you have to always say, Hey, you need to submit to me mm-hmm. all the time. You mm-hmm. might not be doing it. Well, it might, might but, not. <laughs> Yeah. But there are times when you've got to maintain that. Mm-hmm. You've got to say, hey, uh, you did something in front of the kids there that actually was leading the rebellion in our home against me. And you can't do that. You got to maybe you do it away from the kids. But um, actually, I, I read this thing from um, Nathan Alberson just right before we started recording that okay. I wanted to, that I thought went right with this. And he said, many marriages would be happier if the husband just believed his wife wanted to obey him and told her how in direct language. And then he goes, and the wife believed her husband wanted to love her and told him how in direct language. But as far as we're talking about your expectations, part of it is like, clear just, language. Be, just be clear, just be direct yeah. and expect like, right? He believed or he expected because you've made it clear that your home is, is in submission to God. And so God's law is what is expected to be followed. And so just expect that, right? Don't get into part of the problem people get into is these like games where they try to like, yes, con their wife into submission Mm -hmm. or appease their wife into obeying them. Mm -hmm. Right. So if I come home and do the dishes and I do this and I do that, then I'll be able to like 
get my way. Like I can, and usually it's something silly. It's like, I wanted to go buy a gun. And so I got some money. And so, you know, what, why am I asking her permission in the first place? Well, usually it's because we know that we're being a little foolish and we're taking money from the whole family. <laughs> right. And that's yeah. why we feel like that need. Yeah. But, uh, uh, and you ought, I'm not saying don't, don't go make huge purchases without your wife's knowledge, but we, we tend to think like, okay, I'm going to do this thing. that's kind of for myself that I'm going to have to like, I'm going to have to do these things for her and I'm serving her for myself. Mm-hmm. That's not what Christ did. That's yeah. not, that's not his, that's, that's self-service. Not that's, that undermines the whole fact of you doing dishes or all those things. It's all selfish. Like, well, yeah, I'll do this and then she'll have doing it for that. Yeah, for sure. And she'll have to sleep with me today or whatever. <laughs> right, right. Oh goodness. Please don't play that game. That's, yeah. That's it's a terrible, a terrible game. It leads to bitterness and you being bitter because it doesn't work. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it does not work. Um, she won't respect you for that. I don't think. And you want respect, which, which is another thing that you ought to expect from your wife. Ephesians five thirty three. it says, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. So uh, on one hand, we said, don't go around being the guy constantly saying these things. But on the other hand, the Bible says you wash your wife with the water of the word. You've got to teach these things to your wives. Many women in our day did not grow up with these truths. They're learning them. You've got to help her, which is goes back to what Nathan Albert was saying is just be simple and, and direct. Don't be afraid of your wife. Speak truthful things to her directly in love. And if you have an expectation of something, I mean, you are the head of the home. And there, and like we talked about earlier, there might be expectations that you have in your particular home. Make them known. Um, not in a harsh way, but just direct. Uh, I think a whole lot of things would go a lot better if you do that. Yeah. Well, in Proverbs, so going back here, Proverbs 12, 4 says, an excellent wife is the crown of her husband, but she who causes shame is like rottenness in his bones. That's a hard hitter at the end there. But what I want to focus actually was the first part. It says, an excellent wife is the crown of her husband. So when we're talking about being clear with your wife about your expectations, so let, let's go from the let's go from the assumption right now that you have a good wife. You have a, you have a wife who loves the Lord. You have a wife who loves you and loves your kids. She wants to honor God and honor you. She's not perfect. You're not perfect. None of us are perfect. She's going to fail just like we're going to fail or your children are going to fail too. Like anybody will. But if she's a good wife, if she's an excellent wife, if you take her aside and you talk to her and you're just clear with her and you're just like, Hey, this is this, this is how I want to do this with the kids. Or this is how I want us to attend church as a family. I'd like us to sit together or I'd like all these kind of, uh, whatever. I'm trying to give examples here. I don't know. I'm just making them up as I go, but those kind of things. And you, and you tell her, and, and I want to do this and you sit and talk to her because she's your wife. I, I think there's a reasonable expectation in that, that she would appreciate that you're telling her your expectations clearly, like Nathan was saying, and that she would respect you for that. And that she would go along with these things that I go along. It's not the right word. That she would submit to these things and that she would... She would obey what yeah, she's supposed to do. Yeah, that yeah. she would carry these out these things that you said. Um, I think that some guys... I think maybe some guys that get into this where they're so demanding and harsh, I think is because they, they're, terrified, they're terrified to just talk with their wife, which is sort of hilarious at times. I mean, not hilarious if you have, like, the other kind of wife that 
what is it? Proverbs twenty five twenty four. It's better to dwell in the corner of a housetop than a house shared with a contentious wife. Okay, I get that part. That that may not be the most fun thing to talk to her. But if you have a good wife, I mean, it, really, if she's a good wife, does she love you? That does she love the Lord? Does she love your kids? Does she provide for them? You know, is she making them food and taking care of them and teaching? I mean, is she a good woman? Then then just talk to her, man. Like just just tell her clearly what's going on or how you want to change something. And and don't get all anxious about it and put it off and put it off. I think that's where some guys fail because they'll put it off and put it off and they'll get this big thing in their head. This is going to be this huge argument and I don't know how to say this. And it's like, dude, just say it. Like he would, like Nathan was saying, just just say it. Just say it clearly and, and talk with her rather than kind of putting it off and trying so hard to build up this thing in your head. Just trust that if she's an excellent wife and she's such a crown of her husband, trust that these that God will lead her in the right direction on this as well, and he'll lead you both, and that, that these things will benefit you both um, because she'll honor you for it. I, I think it's a reasonable thing. We're try, not trying to get complicated here. We're actually trying to simplify these things. Patriarchy. At the Patriarchy Podcast, we've covered topics ranging from getting married, having kids, discipline, self-control, and the list goes on. But as any man knows, the intent is to always improve, to be a better husband, a better father, a better man. So if you have a topic you'd like us to cover, someone you'd like us to interview, a book you'd like us to read, or even a second round on a topic we've already talked about, we'd love to hear from you. Shoot us an email at contact at thepatriarchypodcast.com and let us know what you'd like to hear us talk about next. That's contact at thepatriarchypodcast.com. We'd love to hear from you. Now, back to the program. Excuse me, it's ma'am. These are the expectations that God has for you in yeah. your home, right? You're, there's to be good order. Your wife is to be submissive, to respect you, and to love you and the children, to be discreet, chaste, Right. These are things that you these are the expectations and you have to set them by teaching them, washing your wife in the water of the word. Right. Making sure that she's getting to church and 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 getting fellowship with other godly Titus two women and and um, growing in that. I think uh, part of the thing I'm thinking about the washing the water, maybe this is the last thing I would want to say before we move on to talking about children is uh that washing the water implies that there's some uncleanness there's uh something needs to be cleaned which means like an expectation you ought to have is your wife's a sinner (gasps) no and so and that your (laughs) wife will be tempted to sins and lured by the world and this goes back to the parable right you've got to stay alert stay alive you've got to be on the lookout for one, be on the lookout for where she's tempted and help her fight him. You need to call her to follow and, and obey Jesus and, and trust him and have faith in him and seek forgiveness, right? Uh, one of the things you may have to help her is help her to ask for forgiveness to the children when she sins against them or against you. I saw this little meme that's somewhat true where there was like this... Uh, uh, piece of paper and at the top it said uh, I think it said husband and at the bottom it said uh, uh, wife and like it, it, I think it said uh, uh, will you forgive me that's what it's not at the bottom it said top said husband 
at the bottom it said, uh, you know, forgive me, I'm sorry. And so it started with him drawing a straight line from husband down to, will you forgive me, I'm sorry. And then the, the next one had the wife, and he started driving the line down towards where it says, will you forgive me? And then all of a sudden it goes all crazy all over the map, and then it ends back up over the husband and going down from the husband to, will you forgive me? <laughs> and, the, and the point being is like, I've seen this. Uh, for some reason, it, it can be hard for women to to ask for forgiveness, and you've got to admonish and encourage your wife in that. And you do that obviously by you set the example. Um, and I, I would add to that too. Don't make it hard for her to get your forgiveness. There's some mm-hmm. guys that will play that game. You know, they'll try and lord it over them, and it's like, look, if your wife's humbling herself and coming and saying, "Look, honey, I'm sorry." I sinned against you. I'm wrong and forgive her, you know, leader, leader in maybe how to do it better the next time or something like that. But don't just hold this over her. I mean, that's, that's games. I know wives play with husbands too. I guess it goes both ways, but I've seen guys play this stupid game too. And it's dumb. Well, it's not even just dumb. It's honestly, it's just sinful, not the forgiver. And it also, it's very harmful. It's you're, you're going to make yourself unapproachable in that manner. I do. I mean, this goes with anybody really, obviously you should be the kind of person that if somebody sins against you, they can come to and ask for forgiveness and you should be able to give it to them. If they really are repentant and they're saying they're sorry, you should be able to, to forgive them. Um, yeah. Yes. And, and you know, you, you can't withhold, you're not to withhold your love. Yeah. You are to give it. And, uh, and that includes like when you discipline your children. So I kind of want to move on to, well, let me make one more point here where you're talking about with, uh, you know, knowing that our wives are sinners and that they're going to be tempted by things of the world. You have to be present and know what's going on with your wife. That means, shocker, guys, you actually have to talk to your wife about her day and maybe what she's reading or what she's going through, those kind of things. You have to actually have to know your wife's life so that you can help her when these things come about. Because trust me, go into any, quote, Christian bookstore, there are entire sections devoted to leaving your wife astray. Okay, entire sections in Christian bookstores devoted to leading your wife astray. I mean, so if it's there, it's going to be everywhere else. Okay, it's all over the place. Joseph, you said it before. We're swimming in feminism. Um, Everything in the world wants. I mean, everything in the world wants us all to go astray. But in terms of we're just talking about our wives here, there's all sorts of stuff that's trying to pull them in the wrong direction and trying to entice them to sin, trying to lead them away from you, your kids, the Lord everything so be aware of what's going on love your wife enough to know what's going on talk to her talk to her about her day know how the kids are behaving in your house know uh know her friends i'm not saying you have to know every nitty-gritty detail so please don't misconstrue this as you have to like spy on everything going on but if you guys have a good healthy marriage you should know what's going on with your wife i mean it's it's not unreasonable (laughs) of an expectation for that to know what's going on with your wife and the things in her life. So anyway, I want to make that last point because again, being a good leader, you should know what's going on with the people that you care about and that you're leading. All right. Ready to move on to the, the kiddos. Sure. Okay. Okay. Well, I guess we could start out. Uh, so Ephesians six, one to three children, obey your parents and the Lord for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with the promise that it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. So, so you should expect in your home yeah, obedience. first-time obedience. 
Let's let's so, build that out just a little bit there because there's that's going to ruffle a few people the wrong way, and I don't care. But I want to build it out because it's a, that's a good expectation to have. Okay, so what is obedience? So first time, it's counting to obedient. five, and then no. giving three extra chances, it's and, like then five, enti- and then enticing four, with candy. Three. Well, you're not going to get two, candy later. You're not going to get as much candy later. Yeah, yeah. One and a half, half and one. <laughs> I'm really going to do it now. You're really going to get a spanking. Really, really, yeah, really. We're, we're going to have a good talk about this. I'm really, really serious. Really, I'm really, really going to have a talk about this if you don't stop. Yeah. 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 No. God expects your children to obey. Mm-hmm. It's the right thing. And so when I, when I say first time obedience, we mean, well, we talk to our children this way. Obey right away, all the way, without grumbling or disputing. Yep. Those are the elements right away. So it's not enough for them to delay and wait forever. All the way, like partial obedience is still disobedience. All right. If if you partially obey God, right? If Noah had built half the ark. <laughs> it would have went very badly. <laughs> it would have. Why are we sinking? <laughs> Why are the camels falling out of the back of the half of the ark? Like, yes. Yeah. <laughs> and then without grumbling, so cheerfulness in our obedience, That's we have to, to have the right heart mm-hmm. attitude in our obedience. So uh, uh, it's not enough just to have outward conformity. God wants our hearts. And then uh, without, grum- without grumbling and disputing, right? Right. Some people get in these debates with their children about now, and I'm I'm really in this talking about their younger children. As children get older, you can give them a chance to to kind of do like the whole bringing uh, back the military terms, like permission to speak. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And maybe maybe they've got some intenuating circumstances, yeah. some kind of information you need to know, which will change your instructions. Mm-hmm. But even that ought to be done with an attitude towards obedience. Yeah. But um, don't get in these things where like you're like negotiate. It's like why? it's like a hostage why? negotiation. Yeah. Why? Here yes. are some parents at the store. It's like, no, you put that down. No, 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 no. Don't you? No, you put that down right now. No, no. It's like, oh my goodness. Like it's. Why do I have to do that, Dad? Because yeah. of this. But what about yeah. this? Uh huh. But yeah. Well, and I'm not. So, I'm not done. I'm. I'm busy. I'm still. Yeah. yeah. Oh man, you hear so much. Now I want to temper our expectation with this, and that this is a battle. Mm-hmm. This is hard. Your sin, your children, as we 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 know, uh, is are sin sinners, mm-hmm. right? Uh, uh, um, well, and this this is a reasonable expectation. Again, going back to our theme, it's a reasonable expectation that you should expect that little sinners are going to sin. Yes, but it's reasonable that you're going to have to discipline them. Yep. Then, and you're going to have to discipline every one of those elements, right? So, if you tell your son you need to go clean your room. And he sits here and fiddles around for a half hour. And then you have to tell him again. And finally he goes and does it. He didn't obey Yeah. right away. You need to discipline that first part. You can honor, you can praise the second part. Uh, don't let them get by with being mousy. Discipline that. So um, you had another verse was, uh, likewise, you younger people submit yourself to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another. Be clothed with humility. For God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. 
Um, this is a big yeah. thing right now in our day and age is nobody respects their elders. Like nobody. So you ought to you ought to ex- expect your children will will respect you mm-hmm. and other elders. This is so mm-hmm. vital that your children you need to take time to teach your children simple things like handshakes mm-hmm. and looking people in the eye. That's a big thing in our home. Even when, even when they talk to my wife or I, or anybody really, it's you, you arms down at your side. <laughs> my kids will probably repeat it till the end of time. Like, okay, arms down at your side, eyes up here, speak loudly and clearly. And then, you know, when they start to not do it, nope, arms down at your side, eyes up here, speak loudly and clearly. And uh, they're getting there. But yeah, that that's a even just yeah, little things like practice. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. And. Uh, this is lifelong too. So even with teenagers, this need to be mm-hmm. good work. Uh, I, I te- you know, I I think part of these things there are what do you want to call it? traditions that have risen up in regards to how to honor older people. Yes, sir. No, sir. Yes, ma'am. No, ma'am. Mrs. Yeah. Mister. Mm-hmm. Um, those are good ways to honor older people. Yeah. Uh, which I think, in a turn, you ought to expect that you're trying to give your children. Uh, to the church, right? You want them to become and faithful and love God's people and to know that they have fathers and mothers beyond you and your wife. There's going to come a day in which they'll grow up and they will leave your home and your nuclear family will come to an end in a sense with your children there. Yeah. Um, you're obviously you honor your father and mother until they die, yes. but, uh, uh, um, and they're your children until they die. But there's a sense in which that nuclear unit has dissolved. But what never ends, what is eternal, is the church and their relationship in the church. You need to, uh, I think an expectation going to that is you need to help them to have other fathers and mothers in the church, which means you you you, you need to find ways for them to find older, respected Christians in your, your local church or or. Um, somewhere else, some another like if your local church is, doesn't have anything, well then you might find another church. But um, somewhere where they can be connected to people, being discipled, mentored. I know there's this. This is probably controversial, Tony, but I'm going to say it anyways. On our show, controversy. Yeah. What? Yeah. But, controversy. Yeah. Controversy. So there's this whole movement for family integrated church or family centered church, and what it means is like there are no age segregated groups. Everything's done through the dad. And, and so we are patriarchy, but we're not a hyper-patriarchy, right? Uh, um, church, I believe, has a responsibility to teach children. And um, I think a wise father is going to f- want to find ways where his children can be discipled by others. Mm-hmm. And so uh, you, you, your job is to protect your children and to disciple them, obviously. But uh, part of that discipleship is in in uh what's the word of uh, um bringing them into the church uh causing them to to grow in their connection and their loyalty to god's people and um i mean i'm not opposed to having your children with you in worship i'm actually very supportive of that and kind of support uh very opposed to separating people out during the worship service yeah mm-hmm. but 
uh, I just think there is a, a hyper version of that that has this aversion to ever letting our children learn from the pastors and elders and, and, and from Sunday school workers and other adults or even from their peers in the, in the church. And there's, uh, I think there's good reasons that you ought to expect that your children are going to become part of God's church. Uh, Matthew nineteen fourteen. but Jesus said, let the little children come to me and do not forbid them for such is the kingdom of heaven. Right, an expectation that we have for our children is that um, they can come to Christ, mm-hmm. and um, we're not to forbid them for that. We're we're to take them to Him, which is again going back to being alert, or watching over the, their soul is so vital. Right, there are important things about caring for their physical needs and sports and. All, all, there's all kinds of things, self-defense, but you can teach all those things. But if you have not brought them to Jesus, it does not matter. It doesn't matter. That's for sure. We, we do, as Americans, get so caught up in all these little side things with our kids. I mean, there, there are families that are on the go 24-7, taking their kid to every practice, game, dance, karate, whatever, under the sun, and yet they... They don't discipline their kids. They don't teach their kids from scripture. They don't take their kids to church. Or when they take their kids to church, they drop them off with some college kid who teaches them not 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 right theology at all. They have no idea what's going on, and it's basically a daycare time. And then they pick them up later, and they expect because they dropped them off at that thing that the kids are just going to be fine. Yet they really are just not involved in their kid's life at all spiritually whatsoever. And so all these other things. Okay, maybe your kid grows up and. They're great at sports, and they could defend themselves, and they have all sorts of cool talents and can dance and paint wonderful pictures, but they're not saved. They don't know the Lord. So what was the point? <laughs> what was the point in all of that that you did? It was a waste. So, yeah. Yeah, man, don't get, don't grow sleepy with that. Like, uh, your children. I think sometimes, this. what do you think of this? I think sometimes parents are apprehensive about that again because there, there's a lot of weird generational things that we're dealing with at times because there's just times that you know we're growing up in a generation where maybe parents didn't didn't ever talk to their kids about god maybe they took them to church maybe they never talked to their kids about god um but i think that sometimes parents are really apprehensive about that like they feel like they have to explain system you know systematic theology <laughs> from cover to cover to their kids in one sitting, or maybe they just, they're afraid of their kids going to ask a question they don't know, or I've heard all sorts of things like that. Um, and so they don't, they don't talk to them. But I think that what we're talking about with that verse is we should have a reasonable expectation, again, theme of the episode, um, that, you know, children of believers would become believers. That doesn't mean it's a guarantee, but it does mean that I think we should have a reasonable expectation that our children would become believers. So they're going to have a curiosity about those things, especially if you're teaching them about them as you should be. If you're doing family worship, if you're taking them to church, if you're talking to them daily about things of the Bible, if you're talking to them about sin and helping them repent, they're going to have more and more questions. I don't know about you, but sometimes I go to put my kids to bed at night. Now, Granted, I know some of this is a stalling technique, but sometimes my kids have the most deep theological uh, questions at like 
8 p.m. at night right before their head hits the pillow, you know? <laughs> and, uh, yeah. you know, but it it's also not surprising to me because a lot of times it'll have to do with maybe the thing we talked about during family worship or something they read in the morning. My, my wife, um, I get up really early to go to work, but in the morning my wife makes the kids breakfast this is after I'm gone, and uh, she reads them uh, a passage of the Bible. And so sometimes that'll come out later in the day, too, is where maybe that's just stuck in their head. But but again, the point is, we should have a reasonable expectation that our children um, would become believers and be interested in the things of God. So you need to have your priorities straight in terms of what is most important in your life with them and raising them. Yeah, I think uh last thing I would say here is obviously it's a similar thing is we ought to expect our children are going to be sinners. So we just said, expect them to, <laughs> yes, that God's going yeah. to work in them, but expect that they're sinners. Mm-hmm. And so you're going to have to discipline them. You're going to have to love them. You can't withhold your love from them. In fact, when they're young and you're spanking them, part of that process of the spanking is the hug that comes after. There's something yeah. very precious mm-hmm about when if you have a good relationship with your children that when you spank them you just cause them physical pain and their first response is to come to you for comfort mm-hmm. that that that's a picture of like gospel what the lord does for us mm-hmm. I, and and you gotta nurture that feed that uh that uh you're not with with withholding your love from them in your in your discipline them now there may be times when as they grow older like you know teenagers right the bible does say that some pretty strong things about grown children rebelling against god and their parents responsibilities to cut them off and so actually you can't let your love for your children cause you to sin yeah. And fall away from God. You got to love Christ first and foremost. And that may mean uh, with a grown child that you 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 can't you can't have them in your home anymore because they have they're sinning against God and they're bringing that sin into your home and it's a danger to your to everybody else in the home. And so uh you may have to do a little family discipline almost like there. But uh um even that is an act of love and ought to be followed up with constant love and a call to repentance. And we want you to be here. We want you to come home. We want you to be in fellowship with us, but we can't until you repent of your sins. Well, and that's, I mean, we, 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 uh, parallel that in our local churches too, right? I mean, you have children that are grown up in the church. Um, you and I are Presbyterians, so, you know, we, the kids would have been baptized, but at the same time, even Baptist practices as well, even if you had a baptized person in your church, if they start rebelling and against the Lord, I mean, there, there's Baptist or Presbyterian, you're going to end up putting them outside the church. Obviously you, you discipline them, you rebuke them, you try to lead them where they need to go. But if they continue to be rebellious, then yeah, I mean, in that, in, in that, that's why do we do that? for the shame of hoping that they would come to repentance is an act of love to do that. Nobody wants to have to get there. You do everything you can not to, but that is something that's the end of it. If, if nothing else works, that's, that's where you got to go, whether that's in your home or in the, in the local church. All right. Well, brothers, that's, uh, that's, 
let's uh, take them. Let's take this thing home by our relationships with others. And so, so far, these are kind of things we have authority over. And do we have authority over neighbors? I own my neighbor. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, well, we we actually do. Mm-hmm. Not an author- not the same sense, not at all, right. of, of what you have of your wife or or of your children. You're not their boss. You have the authority of God to preach God's word to them. Mm-hmm. You have the authority of God to to warn them from their sins, and you have the authority of God to love them, right? And and so uh, there's an authority that you have and um, and a responsibility. And so as you are staying alert, you're looking out, you're watchful for the souls of those over uh, under you. Uh, you you ought to be watchful for those who are your neighbors, those who are fellow Christians. So like First Peter 4, 8, and above all things, have fervent love for one another, for love will cover a multitude of sins. Uh, well, I mean, I guess the first thing you want to think of Eve, is that an expectation you have from other people is that they're sinners. Mm-hmm. And you're, you, you uh, an they're, expectation. They're going to need your forgiveness. <laughs> they're going to need your forgiveness. They're going to need your tolerance. <gasps> you said the word Christian tolerance. Yes, there right. You go. <laughs> so uh, that doesn't mean celebrating and and just overlooking very gross sins, and and it means putting up with little flaws, putting up with ways that you get um, irritations and agitations, and, and ways they may sin against you personally that's what the love will cover a multitude of sins is about um so i guess first thing when dealing with others they're you're dealing with sinners Mm -hmm. you're also dealing with those created in the image of god and so uh you are dealing with an image bearer so you have responsibilities to love them old testament you know the the, when jesus was asked the two greatest commandments Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and your mind. And the second was like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. It actually comes from everybody's favorite book of the Bible, Leviticus. Everybody's favorite book. <clears throat> and the, what I call the love chapter in the Bible. And um, it actually says, don't hate your neighbor, judge them. And then it says, love your neighbor as yourself. It's, uh, that's my paraphrase of it. But like, uh, right there. So in loving your neighbor is the aspect of you don't hate them. So judge them. Like what it means is like, don't leave them. Um, well, don't leave them alone in their sins. Yeah. Right. You have a duty to look out like, and so you have that authority to, to preach the gospel to your, your neighbors and your, your, your brothers and sisters in Christ too. And, but also just, unbelievers right uh think about paul in in athens here he is he if you know he just got ran out of town and this is the safe place and he's waiting to go somewhere else so this is like his layover if you will (laughs) right so and on his layover he sees the idolatry and he becomes broken and so he goes out during his layover to preach and call people to repentance. And then they grab him and kind of say, hey, come come, come up here to Mars Hill, the Areopagus, 
and tell us what you're talking about. And so Paul says to them in that, he says, you've been ignorant, but the times of ignorance God overlooked, but now commands all men everywhere to repent. Paul has authority and he has love and he is calling, I mean, you can't even really call these people his neighbors in a sense. They're, they're, they're not his own countrymen. They're not even people that he is, you know, intended to come visit. They are just the people around him at the time. They're the layover people. <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, and so he, but he loves them because he knows they're creating an image of God. And, and so in that sense, he's being a neighbor to them. Hmm. Um, I would say an expectation then is that you have an expectation. God has an expectation of you to share the gospel. Well, it goes back to what we we're talking about, even in the house, right? With your wife and children, you, you're talking about the judge part of it, right? You, you, yep. you should know what's going on with your neighbors. Doesn't mean you have to be all up in their every aspect of their business, but if they're your neighbors, you should know them and you should know where they are with God. I mean, you should care that enough about them to know those kind of things about them. And that should drive you then to love them enough to talk to them. I think, uh, um, we, we, uh, we, you might say for when thinking about others, there's a division, right? Those who are in Christ and those who are not right. Yeah. And in Christ, we have a duty to have peace. So mm -hmm. like first Corinthians one, now I plead with you, brethren, by the name of our Lord, Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing, that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and the same judgment. An expectation is that there's going to be peace and unity. And I mean, that takes work. Um, and it's, it's around Christ and his word. There are, and that means being united around the truths of scripture and fighting for those truths, not a fake peace mm -hmm. sweeping under the rub peace, but a real peace that comes through hard work of adhering to God's word and, and trusting him. And then there's the, the people outside. And what's an expectation we can have from them? Well, <laughs> they're going to hate you. Do not marvel, my brethren, if the world hates you. First John three thirteen. Yeah. So an expectation is that you're going to be hated, and you have to love. Mm -hmm. And it's one of the reasons you have to be alert because the world schemes against you. It hates you, and um, Others are going to scheme to lure you away. They're going to be tools in Satan's hands if they're not God's people. And you've got to be a wise and awake and uh, be mindful of that. But don't shrink back. Yeah, I think if anything, instead of shrink, obviously you don't want to shrink back. But a lot of that understanding that, you know, apart from Christ, all of us are those people. All of us are, are utterly lost and can be tools of Satan in that regard. I think it should drive you to, to pity them and that and, and to love them enough uh, to not recoil back from it. I know sometimes people will do things or the world will do things that shock some people. I, I, I guess depending on what ministries maybe you've been involved in, you're less shocked or more shocked than others. But um, it's you should still expect that they're going to do wicked people will do wicked things, but at the same time always reminding yourself that if it weren't for the work of Christ in your heart, that would be you. And so that yeah. should drive you to love them. That should drive you to preach the gospel to them, to tell them 
um, about their sin. Actually, I was just listening to an episode of Cultish where they had on Ray Comfort. And uh, I got to tell you, I love Ray's heart. Uh, I love listening to Ray talk, and I like watching his videos too because he really does genuinely love the people that he is he's street preaching to as a, a, a guy that I, I've really appreciated, a good brother. Mm. Well, so these are the things, right? Watching over our own soul and the expectations God has for us, his commandments, having faith, trusting him, watching over our our wives, uh, watching over our children, and watching over others, those in the church and our neighbors uh, that God expects to us. So, I mean, there's a lot to be alert on, and you got to be fueled for that in the long haul. You got to be connected with Christ and filling um, yourself with the good things of God, um, paying due diligence to the means of grace, preaching of his word, the sacraments, worshiping, um, meditation on his word. But uh, uh, this has been kind of like our mega long first back edition. Hey, we, we've been gone for a while. People have complained, so don't complain about this being long. <laughs> And that's our episode for this week. But before you go, a few closing thoughts. As you reflect back on what we talked about here, I want to go over a couple key items. As men, we are most certainly about the mission, the end goal, the last battle. Where many times those under our authority, especially our wives and children, are about the day-to-day paths we take in that mission. Why do I mention this? Because this is where we as men can become hyper-focused on the end goal and lose sight of those with us along the way. Part of the mission, a key part, I'd argue, is how we get there. And part of how we get there is how we treat those God has entrusted to us. Which brings us to the theme of this episode, expectations, and specifically reasonable expectations. Now, I jokingly named the episode Great Expectations because it's a recognizable phrase due to the book, and yeah, I do clickbait sometimes. But it wasn't merely for the title recognition. The term great applies here quite well. Great can mean large, certainly, but in the case of a mission, it can also mean grand or great in scope or all-encompassing. It takes into consideration everything that goes with what you're talking about. So in this case, the mission, the expectations. Isn't that a good way to look at how we shape our expectations? Grand, great, all-encompassing? As we laid out in this episode, we have a solid foundation for what is expected, in other words, the standard, which comes directly from God's Word. It's a solid, unchanging foundation, which is very helpful when shaping expectations. But as we also laid out, which is also reflected in Scripture, we are fallen men leading fallen people. So how do we reconcile the two? Hopefully, if you listened to Till Now, you've gained a good understanding of just that. But in short, though, as men, we need to keep the standard in the forefront at all times, while simultaneously acknowledging the sinful fallen reality we find ourselves living and leading in. Those God has entrusted to us, our wives, children, churchmen, employees, and the like, will fail, just as we will. They will sin, just as we will. But one more expectation we need to never forget is that if we confess our sins and repent, we will find forgiveness in Christ and he will complete his standard in us. And if we have every expectation to find that forgiveness and grace in Christ, 
those God has entrusted to us, our wives, children, churchmen, employees, and the like, should have every expectation to find forgiveness and grace in us as well. God has a standard. Ours should be the same. God shows us forgiveness and grace when we fail that standard. We should show the same. God still expects us to live up to that standard. We should expect the same. And gentlemen, that is the mission. So here's some homework. Pick a night this week and write a mission statement for your family. Then pick a night the following week and present this mission statement to your family, perhaps during family worship. Don't overthink it, but don't underthink it either. Set real expectations and real standards and take the time to talk these out with your family. By the way, these expectations and standards, they include you too. In fact, you're expected to set the tone and the pace. So be clear, but be gracious. And single gentlemen, you can do this too. It might look differently since you don't have a wife or kids yet, but you absolutely can pen a mission statement for your future family. And then when you do get married, you're to be ahead of the game. So there's your homework, gentlemen. Get to it. We hope you enjoyed this extra long episode. If you did, please like and share the episode. Also, if you know another man that would benefit from our show, please send him a link to this episode and tell him he can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or basically any podcast app by searching The Patriarchy Podcast and adding it to his podcast app of choice. We rely heavily on you men listening to spread the show by word of mouth. So if you know someone who would benefit from the show, please do actually take the time to share the show with them. Our goal is to become better men with every episode and to take as many men along for this ride as will come. So with that being said, until next time, if you have not yet bowed your knee to Christ, repent and believe. And if you have, this is our call to you. Build, fight, protect, lead. This is The Patriarchy.